Mad About Miniatures. Today I'm going to be talking to Rebecca Reckon. She is the grand prize winner of the prestigious HBS Miniatures Creating Contest. This is a very important miniature contest. We'll be talking to her about her dragon cottage, which she worked on for eight months, the highs and lows of working on such a project, the day she found out she won, and so much more. Let's get started. So joining us now is Rebecca Reckon. Hello, Rebecca. Hello. So Rebecca, you are the grand prize winner for the HBS Miniature 27th Annual Creighton Contest. Is that correct? That is correct. So tell us, for those of us who aren't as familiar with the contest, tell us a little bit about it. They run it annually. They being hbsorminiatures.com. Every year, they put up a very basic kit that you can purchase as the contest kit. And from that contest kit, you can turn it into anything you like. Let your imagination run wild. And then um, you basically have the whole year, or or from when you receive your kit, till mid-December. And then in mid-December, you have to upload four photos, only four photos, for it to be judged. Well, I can imagine that after spending all year working on it, you want to submit a lot more than four photos, am I right? Well, I took like 900 and then had to whittle it down. Now, obviously, a lot of the 900 were were rubbish, but it's but from about 20, it was really difficult to get down to four. I canvassed a lot of my friends. Oh, I can imagine. Now, getting back to this basic kit. So you can add on as much as you want. You can alter it, correct, as well? Yes. Essentially, there is no rule about how much of the kit you use. But personally, for myself... If I was running it, I'd probably say you have to use like 80% of it because I think that's where the challenge lies. If you're throwing the kit away and only using the doors and windows from it, for example, where's the challenge in that? The challenge is to see what the kit is and then decide how it can be transformed. And you had sort of a full-blown inspiration that came to you all at once. Yeah, I have a bunch of friends, miniaturist friends from around the world, and and one of my friends has been um, has done this several times, and we were chatting about you know what we could do, and I was thinking about what it was that I wanted to do next, which was a fantasy type build. Out of the blue, I I'm you know the inspiration struck as it were, and I had a, a full blown picture of this dilapidated cottage that the dragon had crashed through and was now happily slumbering in the cellar surrounded by his horde. So when the dragon crashes in, what happens to the family? Seems to me you've left a few clues and it's not happy. (laughs) I, I think that probably most of the family would have just sort of run and kept running. But, you know, there's always, there's always the hero who wants to stand back and fight for the property. And um, there are some bones here and there. There's like half a rib cage out by the stream. And, you know, so, yeah, I don't know how well that turned out. 
It it seems that not everyone, there was not a happy ending for the family, perhaps. No, probably not. Certainly for the family cow. The cow, that's right. So when you're creating this, did you start with the dragon? I did. I figured that if I couldn't make the dragon, why there was no point me continuing with that particular idea. We were, New Zealand was in a full lockdown and by full, like nothing was open except like hospitals. So, and and my daughter's partner was living with us at the time and his favourite thing is a dragon. And my daughter has always been exceptionally good with polymer clay. And so we all sat around the table making dragons. Now the kids left after a couple of hours, but, but me, I was there. It took 24 hours to create the first dragon Bramble. Oh my gosh. And I used um, a core of tinfoil very tightly bundled up, and then I put the polymer clay over the top. But from mixing the clay to shaping the cl- every single, because because he was a, a forest dragon, all his scales are in the shape of a leaf. And of course, they're all variegated colors. Wow. So it was it was it was time consuming, but I actually really enjoyed the process. The only problem was when he turned out, um, he's absolutely beautiful, but just a little bit too small for the space. Okay, so then you made another dragon that's quite a bit bigger. Yes, I then went on to make Thistle. By the way, my daughter named both of these dragons. So adorable names. Yes, bramble because he's got the brambly things sticking out and thistle because he's the colour of a thistle flower. And so, yeah, he's he's much bigger when you see them side by side. And he only took 20 hours, which oh. was great. Yeah, had it down by then. I still haven't quite mastered wings. So, you know, I may one day go back and, and make yet another dragon to try and get the wings just right. <laughs> When we talked before, you said your title for it was Life Interrupted. Not really the title, but certainly the theme. And I thought that was so interesting because to me that feels like the whole last year. Yes, and and, and what's interesting is I hadn't sort of thought about that until you said that. But, but yes, it was. This dragon crashed through the roof and suddenly the family couldn't live the way they'd always been living, where they'd always been living it. And when you look in the cottage, I've tried to make it look like they were going about their ordinary, every, you know, average day. And then they've had to suddenly leave. And what it would look like over a long period of time, you know, if someone had come sneaking through the forest and found this cottage, what it would look like. Well, it's just interesting because there are times I do feel like, you know, a dragon crashed into my house the last year. I just hadn't put it that vividly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not been a great time, but it's been an enlightening time. It has, and it gave you plenty of time to work on this on this masterpiece. Which I was very, very pleased to have, especially as I had the whole family here every day for six weeks. Do you have any idea how long it took you to make this? I think overall it was about eight months. Wow. And so tell us about some of the other things. You have an elaborate landscape, and I was surprised to hear that you hadn't really done much landscape before. 
I've never done any landscaping before. So that was a really, really huge, uh, daunting task that I knew I had to start at some point, but I just kept putting off, really. Right. Well, sometimes we do that when we're not quite sure how to do it. Kind of, you kind of built it up so the house looked like it was sort of sunk in the hill. I did. And, and that's the other thing about the whole project is I've built it up and it's been layer upon layer upon layer. And a lot of those details no one will ever see, but I feel like I couldn't have got the end product without having those little layers and those details within it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Now, I know that with you were in lockdown. Were getting supplies ever a problem? Oh, well, you know, here we are in New Zealand, many, many, many hours of flight away from the US, um, 12 to be exact. And yes, you know, for our first full lockdown, not even shops were allowed to be open, not even the online shops. It wasn't until towards the end of that, that finally New Zealand's biggest online shop, which sells everything, were allowed to start selling certain products. And thankfully, at that point, they decided that craft products and art products were essential. I think that was probably because of parents trying to entertain their their kids at home were probably pulling out their hair by that point. So, but yes, I pretty much ran out of polymer clay. So the dragons were a mix of colours, um, even though they don't look like it. And I almost ran out of cardboard. Oh, wow. Well, you were you must have been pretty well stocked then before. Yes, I'm a bit of a hoarder when it comes to that sort of thing. <laughs> kind of like the dragon and his gold, right? Well, we we homeschooled. And so a lot of... Oh, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people who love stationery and, and you do, you just hoard pens and pencils and cardboard and, and, and now that I'm a miniaturist, I also hoard wood and plastic and, you know, polymer clay. I think all miniaturists can really relate to that. The, yeah. When you first start, you don't have that much and then it just sort of grows and you start you, instead of just buying what you need, you say, well, I might need that someday, or, oh, that'd be good to have. You see potential in things that you hadn't noticed before. Oh, I think that's really true. That's a good way of putting it. I mean, now I can go into a hardware store, and I could spend a day just, you know, walking around going, could that be X? You know? Right? My husband loves tool shopping, and he has, like, two of every single tool in his garage. So now he buys tools for me. And it's wonderful. I can actually go into a tool shop myself and show interest. <laughs> That's great. Well, you must have become quite handy. Now, you were telling me one of your biggest challenges was the water. Yes. The, the stream. I In my original vision, I did not have a stream. But in order to learn how to do the landscaping I watched um, an awful lot of um, diorama YouTube videos some of those and they're predominantly male but man some of those guys are so clever and of course they're producing dioramas in, in tiny tiny scale 
But essentially what they were doing for the landscaping was the same as what I would then go and do and replicate on a bigger scale. Anyway, I'd, I'd watched these diorama videos and I'd seen these streams and things that they'd, that they'd made and it was like, oh, that is so effective. Okay, I need a stream. And yes, well. You need one, but but it wasn't easy. Oh, it took me um, it took me about a month to finish. Wow! Um, and twice I had to pull it all out. So when I say all, I mean the rocks. Um, the board is actually a, a, quite a thick; it's about an inch, inch and a half, rigid foam. Foam, and um, I had to <clears throat> literally scrape back to the foam again. Oh. Twice. Was it hard to keep going? I'm generally, my glass is not even half full. My my glass is full and overflowing. Me too. So yeah, so I'm quite a positive person. Um, and the first time it was like, huh, okay, well, that didn't work. Hmm. Turned out I've used resin a fair bit, but in molds in much smaller quantities but what I hadn't realised was that my stream was considered by resin people to be a deep pour. Oh, how deep was it? Yeah, it's not really not that deep. I'd say, um, well, half an inch, I guess. Oh. Maybe a little bit deeper than that, but not hugely. But that's still considered a deep pour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I used the resin that I already had in the house. And what happened is it had a um, it heats up when it when it um, cures, and it had this massive heat up and reaction. And because it got so hot, it then turned white. So I'd gone from wow, look how cool this looks to oh. It's turning a bit white. Why is it turning a bit? Oh, it's going white over there. Oh, and then, and then, and it's in the middle of winter. So I was sat in front of our fire because, of course, you need the heat to cure it. Oh, yes. And I've got paper towels and tissues and I'm trying to scrape out as much of this really hot resin as possible before it sets. Oh, my goodness. It turned white. I would have been yeah. like, couldn't we do a winter dragon scene? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you poured it again. Yeah. The, the, the second time I poured it, it was with the correct reason. I'd actually gone and talked to people and, and had the correct stuff. And I'd done this really elaborate barrier thinking that I was doing the right thing. And no, I, I didn't. And I hadn't. And it leaked. Oh, no. Yeah, it was like, really? It wasn't hot because it was a different resin, so that was good. That is good. But because it was a different resin meant for deep pores, it it also took sort of 12 to 24 hours in a very hot temperature room to cure, and it just flowed out like water. Thankfully, I'd had it sitting on a plastic uh, tablecloth under the on top of the table so I was able to sort of capture most of it but it was 
Yeah, somewhat frustration. Oh my. So <laughs> but luckily the third time turned out beautiful. It did. It really did. My friends were exceptionally supportive and they were all like, you know, you can do it, but potentially if I'd not had if I'd not loved the project so much, it, it, that might have been a, a point where I'd said, no, nah, don't want to do this anymore. I, I did get very close to thinking, I don't need a stream. I'll just cut that part of the board off. But I'm glad I didn't. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, you know, in any project that lasts eight months, you're going to have ups and downs. Oh, absolutely. That's why they last eight months. Yes. I mean, it's just incredible. And you told me there was one other product you couldn't get. Oh, <clears throat> so I, again, landscaping, I decided to make a tree and I'd looked at all these different ways and means of doing it. And um, a good friend of mine has an amazing blog. And so I looked up her tree building instructions and decided, yep, this was going to be for me. And they use, um, a lot of people in, in, in Bray used a product called Candy Tuft, which is a dried flower for the leaves. So I was all like, yeah, Candy Tuft. So I went online and I ordered it from a US supplier and it got stopped at the freaking New Zealand border because apparently they don't like Candy Tuft dried coming into New Zealand. Like, we have very strict border controls with foods and, and vegetables and things because, of course, that is our one of our main industries and we can't allow for insects and diseases to come into the country. So I do understand that completely. But it, it was just so frustrating. And essentially, I would have liked to have turned it around and sent it back but that was going to cost me 50 New Zealand dollars to ship. So couldn't do that. Did you tell me you were trying to grow something like Candy Tuft in your garden? I, I have now planted Candy Tuft in my garden because we do we do have Candy Tuft here. Oh. So, yes, I have grown it in my garden. I have yet to see any flowers, so I have no idea how that whole thing works, but we shall see. Right, just don't send it to me. Apparently, we can't cross the border, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Right, so tell me how you found out that you won. I mean, you send it off, and it must take a while, correct? It does, and and again, I refer back to my group of friends, one of whom has done it quite a few times, and she, uh, there were three of us that ended up entering last year, and she'd sort of said to us, well, <clears throat> normally here around, you know, such and such a date. Well, on that date in January, it was a lunchtime and I'd actually just sat down. My, my son was home from university because for us, that's our summer holiday period. And I, I just said to him, ah, oh, you know, we might be finding out shortly over the next couple of days, you know, if, if we've won anything. And I said to him, I don't think I'll have won anything, but it would be really nice to have a, um, uh, what, what are they called? Honourable mention? Yes, that's the one, an honourable mention. And then I, I sort of left it at that and I literally opened my computer, literally as we were talking, and looked at my emails and there was an email that said prize notification. Wow. And I'm like, ooh. 
oh, I won something. That's interesting. So I opened it up and read the first two sentences. And literally, I was... I, I used the word gobsmacked, and I was. I, I, You know how you see these people in shows and they get a surprise and they put their hands all over their face? Right. I was that. I was like, oh, my goodness. And I went, my husband was out in the garage, so I'm running out to him, and he thought something was terribly wrong because, of course, I was crying and almost hysterical. And, um, <laughs> and I said, no, I won the grand prize. It's like, oh, my gosh. How on earth could I have won the grand prize? It's amazing. And you've never entered the contest before. No. And and that was another reason why I hadn't expected too much. You know, I, I mean, I knew I had a good, good project, but equally I've seen the quality of work that goes into these contest builds. So yeah, I was under no illusion that I had a lot of, a lot of competition. Right. So you were just crying, running out to the garage. So nice that you found out when your husband was home. Yeah, yeah. He had his friend here as well. And they were both sort of looking a little bemused at at my reaction. But his friend said to me a few days later, I'm, you know, it was so cool seeing your reaction. And I'm just so glad that you won, you know. And so that was nice. Oh, that's really nice. That's, That's great. Do you have your own little workspace? Where do you, because it's a pretty big project, where do you do all your miniature work? We had our nephew live with us for a couple of years and we built a little sleep out um, for him. And as soon as he moved out, I moved in. And that's become my craft cottage. Oh, you're so lucky. I bet our listeners are going to be jealous. I think everyone wants a craft cottage. Yeah, it's it's small. It's it's not huge, but I have um I have really good storage in there and I have my workspace and you know, as I hoard, I'm running out of room quite rapidly, but it's just so nice to be able to leave the house and go out to my little craft cottage. And and you know, smell is so important with emotions. It triggers memories and things. And and as soon as I open that door and I smell the smells and, you know, it's like I just completely relax. It's it's really lovely. And, yes, I am very, very lucky. Oh, that is so nice. And the other thing that I have a, a room that I can use, it's my uh, son who's moved out bedroom and it's actually quite large and one of the things I also love is just being able to shut the door and not having to put everything away you know being able to be in the middle of something absolutely absolutely totally agree when I first started miniatures I had to do them on the table I mean the kids were younger and and we had a lot more clutter anyway but it still annoyed me right And it's especially nice that you go out and, like, you're in this little escape where it's a little bit harder to reach you. Yes, and I can have my music playing and I can, and I I normally have the doors open because in winter, as long as it's sunny, the sun comes in and it's beautiful in there. And in summer, of course, I leave the door open for a bit of a breeze. And and it is, it's, it's a really lovely space. So obviously, Rebecca lives in New Zealand, which is pretty temperate year round. I don't think we also mentioned that you live fairly close to where they film the Hobbit movies. It's about an hour and a half south from us. It's called Hobbiton, and it's where where they literally built the set for the movie. 
can go there and you can look at the hobbit houses built into the uh, into the hill and there's um the dragon pub and oh it's a wonderful place oh it sounds fantastic now isn't there a little bit of a connection of inspiration like you got your inspiration from a stone mill that was in the movies or tell me a little bit about that at the beginning of every project i um i normally have a very clear vision of what i'm wanting to do or wanting to achieve but i go online and find a heap of inspiration pictures to help me clarify parts of the build. So, for example, the exterior cladding or the colours or, you know, that sort of thing. So when I was starting what I call Dragon Cottage, again, I went on and I chose a heap of inspiration pictures and I print them out and put them on my wall around my workbench. Yes, it was the old mill in Hobbiton And the thing that was really perfect for me was that it was the stone bottom and the wattle and daub top. So exactly as I was wanting to do. But the other really cool thing was that the front door was on the top. So the cottage, the scenery was sort of shaped around the cottage, up and around, which of course is what I needed to do for mine. So it was a fantastic inspiration picture to copy, to get that sitting right. To kind of help you clarify exactly how you're going to build it and and everything. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, Rebecca, what are you working on now? Currently, I am racing to finish off um, a little Finnish cottage. Um, I have three dolls from Finland, um, from Minna Miniatures, and she had sent me this beautiful, beautiful wee doll. So I'm building the Greenleaf Storybrook, sorry, Storybook Cottage. Um, I have made it a little bit bigger. So yeah, I'm just finishing that off so that I can be ready for when the new contest kit arrives, which hopefully, fingers crossed, won't be too far off. It is on its way. So you are definitely entering the contest again. Yes. Now I have doubted myself a little because I have had a shoulder injury and there was a period of about two weeks where I didn't do anything because my shoulder was so bad. But also we have got an offer on some land, which will be ours in a week if all things go well. So I was thinking, am I biting off too much? But nah, I'm still going to have a go at it. <laughs> So you'll have from that, from whenever you get the kit to when to complete it? Um, it's sort of the second second week of uh, December that you have to upload the photos. Okay. Well, I, I don't want to ask any questions because I, I know it's a top secret. You Will you put a few hints out on your Instagram from time to time? or? Absolutely. You're working on this thing for eight months and you want to be able to share what you're doing with people because you're really proud of what you've done. And to be fair, as much as your family and friends love you, they don't get that enthusiasm for miniatures. No. They can, They try. They Mine try. They, they do try. But it's that enthusiasm and that feedback that you get from other miniaturists that helps keep you going. 
Absolutely. So your Instagram is Melody of Miniatures. So everyone should check out her Dragon Cottage and also stay tuned for some hints and uh, glimpses of projects to come. A few who are Instagram miniaturists, we sort of call ourselves that, we use the hashtag HBS Creating Contest or we use HBS Creating Contest 20, in this case 21. So if you look up under the hashtags as well on Instagram, you'll, you'll, you should be able to see what all of the people who are posting are, are doing. And that's really interesting. Oh, that's a great tip. Well, I can't wait to go and type that in. Well, Rebecca, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you and hear more about your inspiration and your absolutely gorgeous Dragon Cottage. And it's just so fun to talk to another miniaturist always. And I love the fact that you're in New Zealand, I'm in Ohio, and yet we have something in common and can talk about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It makes the world much smaller. It does. And I think both you and I have made a lot of friends in, as miniaturists. And it's it's really, I mean, to me, I knew I would love doing miniatures the minute I started. But I really didn't expect the community to play such a big part of it. Yeah, it does. It really does. I, I started off on the Greenleaf Forum. And they are a wonderful bunch of people and they are so knowledgeable and supportive. And then I found the Instagram people as well. And you're right, it is a really fab community. Well, thank you very much, Rebecca, for coming on the show and sharing your interest, your talent and your passion with us. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been a really fun conversation. I've loved it too. Bye, Rebecca. Bye. I love talking to Rebecca, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I can't wait to see what she does for next year's HBS Miniatures Creating Contest. I think there's still time for you to enter, too, if you're interested, so just go to HBS Miniatures and check out the details. My next podcast will be aired June 1st, and I will be talking to the delightful Cindy Coons. She has been working on her beautiful pink Victorian for over 20 years. She calls it a queen, and it is truly majestic, from the glasses of pink champagne to her tiny, tiny Louis Vuittons. You won't want to miss this one. In the meantime, remember, the only rules that exist in your dollhouse are the ones you make for yourself. See you soon.